Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the student of the game. I am Kyle Nash, the student of the game, here with you and listen. If you're here, chances are you like talking sports. We're grateful you're going to do it with us here, be it tonight. Technically, I'm not even here tonight. Ooh, holiday magic. That's right. I will be covering UCF as they host Hes- uh, Stetson in men's basketball. So uh, I pre-recorded this. Fortunately, I was in a position to have both the special correspondent to this during the game involving the Jacksonville Jaguars, Travis Holmes. He was with me in the overtime victory over the Dallas Cowboys. And then sure enough, I had also booked Cortland Griffin of the three-point conversion. You know, one of my fellow teammates over there at the three-point conversion, three-point conversion, the three-point conversion.com. Com. Bing! That's the number three, not the word three. And of course, I mentioned the game I'm covering tonight with UCF basketball. That'll be with the black and gold banneret. So there's a lot of stuff there that I'm in the middle of over and above holidays and all that stuff, but I couldn't leave you guys out of it. You know, I had a lot of good conversations also other places. Make sure you check out the Huddle Up podcast. Bing! And I'm over there, you know, trying to uh, uh, make make Cowboy fans understand that, you know, it's, hey, it's going to be like that one gif with The Rock. Hey, it's going to be okay. You know, you still got the playoffs clinched. Stop whining. Oh, but we may not win a playoff game. All right, you're right. I may not help you there, but that's that's not what I'm talking about. Anyways, <laughs> um, how about the Lions? Oh, my gosh. Man Campbell trying to make things happen. Um, I'm not sure how far they'll get. I will, I'll definitely pick their game later tonight with Cortland Griffin of the three-point conversion. I would also encourage you to check out this week's matchup mania as well with the three-point conversion, a little Christmas thing. I might get a little poetic and I'll say this much, you know, writing poetry may not bring me fame, but happy holidays from the mom and the student of the game, right? Matchup mania, mom, M-U-M. It's, yeah, it's a thing. Anyways, so with all that, without any further ado, Let me go ahead and take you over to my discussion with Travis Holmes talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars and how they've come out of basically nowhere to suddenly be in control of their own destiny. So after the way this past weekend went at TIAA Bankfield, I had to have the man come in after experiencing it and observing it, which what probably was a pretty significant event in the NFL in general, the the Cowboys loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars, of course, back again. The student of the game's special contributor contributor to the Jacksonville Jaguars, by way of the student of the game, of course, Travis Holmes, the vegan who loves bacon. What's up, buddy? Hey, thank you, thank you, thank you. No, no cheers, not necessary, but I appreciate oh, I it, though. You, thank you, I thank you. you. I thought you brought a recording from Sunday. And hey, <laughs> man, what a great game. What a great game to be a Jags fan and to and to be able to witness it. Oh, gosh, that was incredible. Yes, man. But I, thank I, you for having me. Sure. No, listen, the public at large and myself is having to make some adjustments away from pessimist, Travis, in this particular instance. You seem nice and sober like you haven't had a single drop of alcohol to drink. How big... First of all, let's go to the game itself a bit. I okay. know the conversation's been had nationally now because apparently after two weeks, the media started to care about Trevor, where you and I have been having com- 
conversations for a while, but that's what we right. do here on the student game. We we get there before everybody else does because we dig deeper. But um, it's funny that how much shine Trevor's getting on this game, and and it's not like he had a bad game. Like he he put up forty points on a team that hadn't scored that much all year. And I know you're going to bring up regulation. That was true too. Even before you'll go in the pick six, you'd be right to do so. Travis Holmes, I got you. Mm -hmm. But, um, how would you evaluate his performance overall? Because, uh, I'm going to call it what it is throughout the year. You've been kind of questioning either Trevor's ability in big moments, which again, you know, you would not be wrong for doing so in this game. And Mm -hmm. also the receiver core in general, where, Zay Jones had, I, I'm going to call it a, 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 at least a, a season high day for yeah. his time with the Jags, if not an outright career uh, day. I haven't looked up his whole career to see if that'll do it, but three touchdowns is sure as heck a start while breaking 100 yards receiving. Like, evaluate what you saw from, what you saw from this group in their shine. So this is interesting. Um, the Dallas Cowboys secondary hasn't been what it was last year. And I would just... It's a difficult thing because they we know that they are a top five defense. However, they have not been what they were earlier in the season because they're down two corners. Um, even though they have digs, I mean Joseph got benched at the half, like at the half, then got a few more plays later. Once he got, he gave up another catch. They benched him again, um, and we know two of those touchdowns that came just on plays directly and impl- you know impacted by him. Um, it's a weird situation because again, I hate to give any asterisks uh but it seems that the majority of the jaguars big games always have that asterisk but no one talks about that with other teams so i'm going to be that guy because like you said we're going to dig deeper uh the detroit lions destroyed the jacksonville jaguars uh what three weeks ago yeah simply because the jaguars were down two cornerbacks and they were down to their fourth string cornerbacks getting significant snaps and they just and the Jaguars just did not have the guys uh, to stop them from scoring points. No one talked about that. Right. Well, well, but, now it, we're in the same situation. Exactly, I did. So now we're in the exact same situation on the other side. So I, while I don't want to get too high or and I don't want to get too low, I right. want to be fair. And well, the Jaguars did what they were supposed to do. We attacked that linebacker core and a lot of crossing routes, especially after they lost uh, Vanderek. Ben, ben oh I'm, I'm always going to screw his name up uh the, the middle linebacker for the cowboys he was he got injured yeah he got injured after the first series with a neck injury right. um and then we attacked kevin joseph for the rest of the game we, we destroyed that guy's morale i'm sorry we just it, it it was it was incredible as a jacks fan but to say i say all that to say well how much of this is trevor being uh, the smart you know, second year veteran and that he, you know, learning from the Detroit Lions games, hey, hey, I can make a I can make a career of just attacking the weak link and making them do something different. Hey, that's a great game plan. Good job. Which is the reason that Zay Jones was the one who capitalized on a lot of that was because he just happened to be the guy lined up opposite of Diggs. Um, Ingram did last week, picking on the Titans linebacker core, whose coach also happens to be a linebacker, which is a question. (laughs) But you spent all this time to get your lighting right for the video, and you're not going to use your own your own coined – well, I shouldn't say coined a term. You didn't necessarily come up with it, but the term you've come to know and love in these situations. Pencil whipped. The pencil whip pencil was in effect. Wapah. Listen, yeah. I know it's a pen. But <laughs> yeah, I, and I'm with you on that because I find it kind of hilarious that you and I are having this conversation in the car 
as if, as if the best way for the Jags to win is going to take advantage of McCarthy, which isn't exactly what I would have expected it to be. We'll get into that later with, mm-hmm. the, with the late decision that, that I know was actually pivotal in the game. But I know that everybody, including one of my favorite Cal- Dallas Cowboy fans, no, not EJ Christian, but my guy, Big Jim Big Neat, Jim, yeah. Um, yeah, from Huddle Up, bing, he had his five observations. And, um, you know, if I could do a dramatization of the section where he was talking about the Cowboys, Dak Prescott made it on naughty. It ain't him. I don't know how you could blame Dak Prescott in this scenario when what happened with the DBs giving up a 17 point lead, uh, we'll say middle third quarter. Maybe it was early. I, I, I it depends on your interpretation. Right. And then over and above that, uh, Noah Brown does what he does to cause the walk off interception. Correct. The defense did their job to force the turnover. And here we're back to McCarthy and, and, and Kellen Moore doing their thing, right? The former Boise State quarterback, as he's more famous for in, in many circles, right? <laughs> um, going to make the call to fire late to the air to give the Jags one more timeout to stay alive long enough for the Riley Patterson field goal. But there is an observation we made there too, Travis, speaking mm-hmm. of weakness in the secondary. McCarthy was is compared to his um his predecessor in Jason Garrett, right? Two years ago. Mm-hmm. Garrett was always burned for being too conservative. McCarthy comes in, gets hyper aggressive. Now, I didn't it that would not have been my style of play call, right. but you and I talked about if you're going to attack the Jags that way to try to get a high risk, high reward play, that's the way to do it, right? We were in agreement that that was absolutely the way to do it. Unfortunately, there's an argument to be made that Dak did make the wrong the wrong read on that one. Okay. So it's it. I didn't agree with the play call. Mm-hmm. You can't go three birds with no running back. Like they li- literally went max protection three birds. There was no hot route. There was no check down. There was no other route on that play. Ugh, that's a rough play call, but I can agree that the thought process of, Hey, chunk play, go deep. You're either going to get a pass interference or your, your guy's going to win. Cool. I can agree with that general philosophy. If you're going to your best player, if you're going to CD lamb. Okay. Now we're talking. If you're going to another receiver against maybe the Jaguars third receiver, uh, third, third cornerback, something like that. You have a matchup advantage, something along those lines. So again, that's, that's the McCarthy piece because I would agree that, that the philosophy is not wrong as long as the throw is made to the right guy. Well, it's also cool. complete, right? I, I, I like how you mentioned there's no check down in, in that instance. Cause that's kind of important to mention. And then don't give me the, well, he wanted to rely on his defense. But listen, by that point in the game, Travis, if you're already mm-hmm. subbing out a corner, what you said twice already, and that's something mm-hmm. I hadn't even noticed until you just told me about it just now. And I'm like, yeah, that, that did happen, didn't it? Um, if you're subbing dudes out, how are you leaving it on the defense to win it, especially when you have Tony Pollard, who at time, not not as much running, though he did run for significant yardage, was right. an excellent check down option throughout the game, right? See, honestly, I, I think it comes down to either the either it was a bad play call because you went at the Jaguar strongest corner. You went against uh, Darius Williams, mm-hmm. who literally has given up two receptions since being moved to the outside corner. Uh, that's in two games, uh, two and a half games, two receptions for like 22 yards. 
and <laughs> yeah, since he's been since he's been moved to an outside corner, and you know he used to play outside and inside for the Rams uh, last season. Mm-hmm. So you don't go to their against their strongest corner with your third best receiver. Come on, that that's you're you're not giving yourself a chance there. But again, I can't tell you if that's a Dak Prescott Prescott problem or if that's a might call or if it was a decision bingo that's what i'm saying so if you're going if you can make that same play call and you're going to cd lamb against uh tyson campbell or against trey herndon you know the Jaguars' second or third receipt uh cornerbacks now we're talking at least it may seem like a better decision and it probably has a higher probability of you know success yeah you know i feel bad we keep calling out trey herndon Uh, i I think he has the potential to to get better but of course but with the whole situation, you know, with Shaq Griffin and his, his injuries and all that being problematic and him getting a trial by fire here, right? you know, that's that's a rough situation. But uh, Rayshon Jenkins, man, a historic Rayshon Jenkins, 18 tackles, two interceptions, including the walk-off, man. Speak to that. One heck of a game. One heck of a game. And I want to say, like, I knew he was all over the field. I didn't know he was over. To see that final stat line? even through me for a loop yeah. because I'm, I'm like, Oh my gosh, 18 tackles. Really? But then I thought about it. The, and I got to give Mike Caldwell some credit here. I'm, I'm going to always give my man his flowers because he took so many lumps earlier in the season. I mean, even just going back a few weeks, um, the, the defensive coordinator for the Jaguars, uh, everyone was is angry. And I say everyone being most Jags fans and even today still are not happy about the fact that we play a three, four coverage. A three four defense because that results in you have Trayvon Walker, you have uh Trayvon Walker, you have Josh Allen, you even have on occasion Dewan Smoot uh in coverage 20 yards down the field on occasion on a wheel route and things of that nature, which was taken advantage of uh, you know, with Josh Allen. You and I were talking about that. I mean, right. it's a tough go to have that. Correct. And so and so fans generally don't are are very angry about the fact that they're not rushing every down and that's a complaint you're going to see literally if you go on Jack's Twitter. You're going to see it every single Sunday. So I say all that to say they're not changing the defense. We got to let that dream go. They're going to be in coverage sometimes. Maybe they'll rush a little bit more, but they but he made some changes both last week and this week at halftime, like significant changes. And by significant, I mean like he didn't change the defense. He still ran the general same coverages, but he aligned guys in better positions to make plays. So last week it was, hey, we're still going to play a significant amount of cover three, but what we're going to do is we're going to line up guys literally one yard off the line of scrimmage. We're going to line up our linebackers in those gaps, and then they're going to basically read going back. So we're going to put them close to the line of scrimmage to stop the running game for the Titans, and they got like two yards after halftime last week. This week it was a similar scenario where he didn't really change the coverages that he was running, he just moved guy. He moved Jenkins up to the line of scrimmage instead of having him rob all the time. Because a lot of the time they were lining up with two safeties, and he would just float down to the middle of the field and rob from that from that area. Well, now he was bringing Jenkins up to one to two yards off the line of scrimmage, which involved him in a lot more tackles. Which again, I didn't even notice it until after. I, I can't. I don't even know how many of those were assists versus solos. Oh no, the, it's eighteen total. Um, and it was 14 total for Foye Oluwakun. So, like, if you're out tackling him in the numbers, um, <laughs> that should tell you everything. You, but he, you but he's the guy that's unaccounted for. That's that's literally why everyone else they're, they're accounting for Foye. They're accounting for the you know the the outside linebackers and the D tackles and everyone else. Safety. That's the guy who the running back's going to have to make miss, and he made the tackles, and that's awesome. 
Travis, that's a great that's a great job for Mike Caldwell. That's a great job making the tackles. Travis, what's what's the line? Who is the most dangerous guy in the defensive front? Oh gosh, that's the a hard one, man. But, blocked. <laughs> the story. And I'm trying to answer the question from like a Jaguar specific. You know, I'm like, oh, who's the most dangerous Jaguar? Okay, I got that's a whole other question. Yeah, I wasn't going that deep, but I appreciate that your mind is there. That's the talent you are, Travis Holmes. No, and, and listen, and to think the Jaguars did what they did, missing Fatukasi, missing the guy in the middle. We talked about it as soon as he got hurt in the game. I said, oh man, that changes the whole game. I feel bad for Mike Caldwell. I've said it then, like, what do you call now that? And they struggled for the rest of that half. Until they got to halftime and could make those adjustments, they struggled stopping that offense, both running and passing. They went up and down the field the whole first half. I think they may have punted once. I, I, apparently, you move up a DB to help and fill a gap. Who knew? Um, <laughs> and no, it worked out. Right, exactly. And with that in mind, so you know, we were talking. We, we've 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 uh, we've been we've done our fair assessment of of Trevor at the end of the game as far as the fumble. But yes. how big this group, um. Cam Robinson officially out for the year at yes. left tackle. I, I hate, I, I'm not trying to dance, but let's just put it this way. I was afraid of that for the Jags since August. We talked about that. Yeah. Um, Jawan Taylor with a hamstring injury, fighting through it. Walker Little coming in, having to block <laughs> Micah Parsons and a tough group up front. And mm -hmm. they managed to get Riley Patterson in position to uh, kick the field goal. How big a performance is that for Trevor? That was an incredible performance. Like even with the fumble, like and yes, Trevor, we got to get you sliding, man. I'll, I'll buy you another, an, another blender, or whatever we got to do. You know, an, a, a, whatever we have to do to get you to slide, we will do it. We will have a GoFundMe on Jaguars Twitter, or whatever. But outside of that fumble, he had a game. He had one heck of a game. And yes, they the defense absolutely came back and you know lifted him up on their shoulders and carried him on that interception. You know. With the assist from Noah Brown, of course, uh, but nevertheless, they capitalized. They didn't drop the interception. They didn't, you know, go down after catching that ball and leave it up to a field goal kicker on a fifty-yard field goal. They caught the ball, capitalized, took it to the house. And not to mention, this isn't the first time they've done it. The Jaguars—they may have given up a lot of points and a lot of yards over the last, you know, seven or eight games, but they're six in the league in turnover differential. That's partially to Trevor, but that's also them capitalizing on those fumbles and the interceptions. So they are absolutely believing on both sides. They are capitalizing on both sides, and it's incredible. And Trevor's doing his part by just limiting the turnovers in spite of, you know, you're going to have those, you know, plays where maybe he should have slid. Uh, he had the interception earlier in the game, um, which I originally, uh, I, I thought it was his fault. I look back on it. And listen to some people who know coverages a little bit better than me. You know, hint, hint, Nate, uh, Nate Tice. Uh, and it was actually supposed to be a bin route. And it was, he, and Trevor did slightly misread it. He thought it was cover two. It was cover four. Safety was the, the receiver should have still curved it right back in. Uh, Christian Kurt, mm -hmm. he, he didn't. So it would kind of goes on both the quarterback and the receiver. And I can see what he uh, saw on second view, view at least. Uh, but outside of that one uh, bad throw and the, and the fumble, he had one heck of a game. I mean, if you even subtract the drops, I can't imagine. Like, the guy may have been at 350, uh, and he still had four touchdowns and one interception. So it was a great job. It was so a great yeah, game. 
And, and, well, and you talked to Christian Kirk a little bit after the game. Did he add any insight to your analysis? <laughs> I did not ask him about the analysis of the passing game. We talked about that. I, I, I didn't want to be that guy within, you know, an hour after the game uh, talking about the technical parts. But yes, uh, I think next time I probably will, since I won't be able to talk to him for the Monday and Wednesday press conferences. Uh, but yeah, it was a great conversation. And and yeah, I, I look forward to having more of those with him. Well, yeah, well, and you spoke specifically to the mental tough- toughness of the group, certainly, too. I love his game. Yeah. In, in the mid, I mean, you know, having to do that. But as cool as a story as all that is, um, how big is it? in the divisional race, Travis, like, where are we looking at for, for, for playoff hopes uh, for a home game in Duval? Well, for the first time in a long time, especially in December, the Jaguars control their own fate. Yeah. Listen, uh, real quick. Cause like in August today, the Jags have won what I predict or have already won what I predicted in August. I said, six right. um, apparently I am, a, I am the pessimist today. Now you you left your answer in a range, but went on record saying eight. I think it was. I, I don't have. I believe. Yeah, you know, I believe I said eight or nine. Yes, and we have to check the records, but it was one uh, of those two. Well, and I can do that while we're talking. But the 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 good news is, as far as um, offensively, you did loosely allude, and I I, I agreed with your concept. I just wasn't uh, brave enough to, you know, mm-hmm. put, it it on, put it on the record. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, to to that, but you had uh you had said that the upper edge um was nine games, and that's what you rolled with. I have it here. Good. So, um, with all of that in mind, it, it, nine games isn't technically. If we went out, we win nine games. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. So that's technically possible still. Um. So yeah, how I mean. Th- th- at this point, the ja- the Cowboys game was the start of the Jaguar playoffs, right? Yep. From this point on, you got to win everything. Well, you don't have to, but it will. You will make it difficult on yourself if you don't. But what's what's the scenario they need going into Week 18? I mean, very oh. careful to say 18. Like they they have to make sure that they can end the year. I mean, at, yeah, we we of- have to make sure that we end the year at least one game behind Tennessee. So we are currently one game behind Tennessee at this current moment in time, uh, based on the them losing against the Chargers and us beating beating the Cowboys. So uh, if if we were to win every game and the Titans were to lose every game, uh, we would only be one game ahead of the Titans, which still would come down to Week 18. Um, if the Titans were to win every game and we were to win every game, we'd be a, we'd stay a game behind the Tennessee and it would come down to week 18. And we, if we were to win that game would then own the tiebreaker, which is the divisional percentage. Um, and anything in between, again, you can see the most, the most, the, the widest range right now would still be a one game lead for either the Jaguars or one game lead between the Titans. So, but I will say this, if the Jaguars were to do something crazy, like lose the next two games and Tennessee were to win the next two games, then it it's, over. It, 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 it's over at that point because uh, there's no way you can make up, you know, that whatever it is, uh, two to three game uh, lead at that time. Right, right. So basically, we wanted to come up with a way to summarize this beforehand. I think it's safe yes. to say, though I hate the overused term, 
This is a this this is the Jacksonville Jaguars. God, this feels odd even saying this. This hmm. is the Jacksonville Jaguars in a position to control their own destiny to host a playoff game in Duval. You got it. You got it. That's what it is, and you may as well call it. This would be a playoff game uh, against the Jets. It will be a playoff game against uh, or the Houston the week yeah. after that. The week after that. And you and week eighteen against Tennessee is a playoff game. And if we're lucky enough, knock on wood, uh, it would look like it would be something like the Chargers in Jacksonville. If we you know if we're if we're fortunate enough to make it there in Jacksonville, so that's that's the goal. Yeah, that's yeah, that's an interesting way to put it. And 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 I know the Titans are in their own challenges right now. Tannehill battling injury and and, and various, not to mention their receiver core, who was also missing significantly. Their linebacker core. Uh, the pencil whipping that already took place. Um, yes. th that'll be interesting to watch just to see how Vrabel adjusts. But with all those positives in mind, let's let's manage the expectations of, of the Duval fanhood there, Travis. The bad news is mm -hmm. it's a Thursday night game against the Jets. And say what you will, I know Zach Wilson, uh, well, I shouldn't say I know, but my word has been that Zach Wilson is not it, as the kids say. Uh, and uh, the defensive front... Well, they are. So where you get problematic is you have a left tackle that's missing. Walker Little, of course, is going to get the start, according to Coach Doug Peterson. And Jawan Taylor will be back at right tackle. How healthy he is is the whole question. Of course, Trayvon Walker's day-to-day, -day, but I think Arden Key did a fine job stepping in for him. He did. He did. Um, and then um, um, the uh, safety, uh, Andre Sisco, of course, is slated to be okay, just like Travis Entian as well, who missed some time in the right. Cowboys game with a foot. But the bad news there is the line situation facing the Jets front on Thursday makes this game all but a lock. So right. not, to, not to encourage you to be the drag Jaguars fan who drinks because of this team, mm -hmm. but I think this is going to be about Trevor being the Trevor that you want. Is that correct? I would agree. You're playing against a top corner in Sauce Gardner with a great D-line. So you're already looking at your second and third receivers, and you're not going to have as much time. It's going to be a wet and rainy game. I believe it was a 100% chance of rain earlier today. Oh, wow. Like 45 uh, degrees. It's going to be a cold, wet, rainy day. So it may end up coming up to the run game with the hobbled offensive line. It's going to be interesting. I'll say this. A rainy day is better for Jacksonville, even with the injured group, because okay. it essentially takes Sauce Gardner out of the game. And the one advantage I have as an offensive lineman is I know where the play is going. I don't care how good the person is in front of me. Their first step is always going to be sloshy and slow because of rain. Okay. And mine is too, but I would have finished it by the time they know what's going on. So with the way things have gone, a run game – I think is the superior concept as far as the Jags facing the um the the, the Jets. The Jets. I, I would agree with you. And I would agree with you. If oh, my la if the last time oh, here it is. I didn't see a rainy game from the Jaguars wasn't against the Philadelphia Eagles. Because Ooh, that was the that hey, that's a five turnover game from Trevor. And four and four of those were fumbles. I'm right. sorry. 
that, well, that was more about Trevor than the run game. The fumbles, like, was those, were those handoff exchange, handoff exchanges, or were those hand, handoff exchanges? He had two that literally he just, I mean, one he dropped, no one around him. It was third down, and he can run for the first down, and then he it just hit his leg, and he just drops it on the ground and fumbles it. And that's this kind of stuff. He fumbled one on a quarterback sneak. Uh, like that's two fumbles right there. That's, that has nothing to do with the defense. Well, let's not go all the way to the Eagles, Travis. If you're going to be worried about that, all you have to do is cite Sunday because that one happened there in perfectly good sunlight. So I see where you're coming. <laughs> I'm just saying that's the last rainy game I've had a chance to see. Got so that's, that's half of the equation. The other half of the equation is who our coach is. Doug Peterson pencil whipped the Cowboys staff. And we talked about it on Twitter. Uh, we, we saw a few different examples of how specifically he did it. Like he really ha had those guys on skates, not knowing where they should align their guys on defense uh, just because of the way he called plays and played off the previous play, the way that it was called. O-line did great. It in was the and the O-line bullied the Cowboys D-line. However, I'm going yeah, to say nice. the O-line for the Jets are a different beast because they don't allow people to run on them. They right. are like the top. Was it the top? If no, if they weren't the top, they were a top two uh, run a rushing defense, basically. Um, so that's a different ball game because again, we're now playing in a rainy game where we need to run the ball with a coach who is prone not to run the ball until he has the lead. It was the same thing in the Philly game. We we could have won that game had we run the ball, and Doug Peterson even wrote it in his book. Uh, a few years back, that I hey, he don't bring up the book. He passed to win the game. You, uh, you, you pass to take the lead. You run to win the game, but he passes. He even in the rain, even in that Philadelphia game, in in the rain, <laughs> in a monsoon, we passed the ball over thirty times. Like so, that's the concern I have. Is one we have a coach prone not to run the ball, even in uh, let's say illogical situations. And we have a quarterback who the last time I saw him in a rainy game has some real struggles holding onto the ball. That is why I didn't necessarily believe that this was a benefit, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I get it. And, and no, those are those are those are risky elements to something that's strategic to a game. Yeah, you're adding in wild cards, which I'm not I'm not, right. not in that. I mean, and listen, at the end of the day, dealing with the witness of rain is already having to deal with the liquid of sauce. I get it. Um, so with all that in mind. <laughs> Uh, Travis, thanks for coming in and, and, and kind of talking about why it's important. We'll be talking to Cortland a little bit later from the Titans point of view. I, I won't promise he, he won't be at least a little worried, but you have to think he is since we could officially mathematically utter the phrase that the Jaguars control their own destiny. Travis, Booyah. tell the world where you can be found. I can be found on Twitter. Again, I am the one vegan who likes bacon, but just can't eat it. Oh, goodness. Trav likes bacon on Twitter. Um, you can catch me at various Jags game, and you can catch me just, you know, take. I'm a free agent. I'm a Jaguars correspondent free agent, so you may be able to catch me on any show that just happened to pop up you know, wherever, you get your wherever you get your podcast. Special contributor to the studio. There we go. There we go. Learn those two words, my friend. Those are important. Uh, listen, honor to my privilege, man. Thanks for coming with me to the game. Thanks for coming on tonight. Um, and hey, listen, if things go well, we may have to talk again if they uh pull off some craziness in the next few weeks, man. Who knows? But all right, yes, man, thanks again, yes. thank you, sir. Have a good night. Ah, yes, pencil whipping the thing we've come to know and love from Doug Peterson's offenses when they do win the game. And for all the shine. That's getting put on Trevor Lawrence right now. I, I have to say, you know, the Nick Wrights and the EJ Christians, you know, earnestly speaking podcast, bing, 
with all that going on, I'm, I'm not exactly every Jaguars win, like Travis said, has seems to have that asterisk to it. If they beat the Jets, they'll have to do it in such a fashion without the asterisk in question. So I'm not super confident. I'm actually not picking the game yet. I will later with Cortland. And speaking of Cortland, here he comes in just a bit to give us the Titans perspective of this whole cluster in the AFC South. Listen, this week is another treat. We talked to Travis earlier. It's not often we get rival quote analysts on here, but that's how it went this week. I've been looking to get this cat right for a while and he had to be responsible and work, uh, but now his schedule changed. So now he's here. Corley Griffin. What's up, buddy? Oh man. You know, um, we talked on off off the air. You know, I'm dealing with COVID right now, but can't keep me away from sports for too long. So, you know, I'm I'm here uh, with my guy Kyle. Man, I, I, it's been a long time coming. So, if anybody show I was going to be on, it's going to be this guy. Right on, man. And, and and listen, to peek behind the curtain a bit, like like first of all, again, I, I said it earlier, but I'll say it so everyone to hear it. Um, prayers to your quick recovery and healing. I know that during the holidays it has to suck. I've been sick during the holiday, but not not with COVID and. It's just not fun. So, I mean, you know, prayers and, and all that to you. Uh, just, yeah, good vibes, whatever extra. I don't know what I did to get cold in my, my stocking this year. I, I mean, you know, I would comment on your fanhood and your active interest in trying to keep me from attending a playoff game in Duval, but I digress. No, but that's the last of those jokes, I promise. For sure. Uh, no, but with that in mind, um, you know, you do a lot of good work in the three-point conversion, covering a lot of college stuff in a few ACC media days. Look out for Cortland in draft season, but also does plenty of analysis for the Titans. Not just in articles, but plenty of schmack on his social medias there, too. So check that out yeah. as well. But, Cortland, let's get into the thick of it. I, I And I'm saying this as, as, as unobjective as possible because I'm in the place where – Right now, for me, the storyline is the Cowboys not only losing to the Jags, but everybody noticed that it being the national game of the week. Ed Werner was in Jacksonville. That doesn't happen very often, you know. Um, but then the Titans are in kind of a free fall. And, and while I'm sure a lot of Jags fans are talking trash, I can't kick a man while he's down. A lot of that's due to injury. Um, so, I, I mean, what's kind of the forecast? Are, are, are the Titans expecting any guys back in the next couple of weeks to kind of help lift them up or what? At this point, I mean, Traylon Burks is probably the one guy that you're kind of looking forward to seeing back on the field. Uh, number 16 is, is becoming very important. Um, going into that Philly game, he was actually starting to catch on. Uh, he had the big game against Green Bay where he had 100-plus yards. He had a really good game uh, the following week. And then you come into the Philly game where he makes the, a really, you know, an excellent catch in the end zone for a touchdown for the Titans to go up early 7-0. Um, and he, you know, gets helmet to helmet. It's a concussion. Uh, now he's out. And so we're now, you know, down there looking at number 16, maybe getting back on the field uh, this upcoming week. And like you said, it's it's injuries. The Titans are now have now used 80 – what 81 different players this year last year we were, we were using not we used 91 so yeah um it's just one of them situations where you, you kind of start to ask questions as a journalist but also as a fan like what's going on with the strength and conditioning like what's going on with the guys when they're off the field when they're not playing football um what's the workout the nutrition plans looking like and of course i don't you know i don't, I can't tell you because you know I, i'm i'm a mcdonald's and burger king guy myself but oh, Chad I'm also, right. <laughs> but i'm also not a well-oiled machine that has to go out and play 
um, football and, and experience are, are the equivalent of car wreck uh, for 60 minutes every other week. So mm-hmm. it's it's one of those situations that's rough right now for the Titans. Oh. And- car wreck every play? There's my credentials. Okay. There you go. <laughs> I always love the flash, the painting, but no, man, I, I hear that like the, the concept of the super injured season. I, I, I personally can relate to that, you know, with the black and gold banneret bing, last year, I was covering UCF football. Gus was on in that group, ton of injuries. Did I lose him? And still managed to win the game. That's interesting. So those questions come up, just like internet issues come up every now and again, and there's a blip in the damn recording. That is what it is. But um, so with that in mind, like I figured you're going to mention Burks there. Getting Burks back, I believe it's the Cowboys you have this week. Um, Getting Burks back, I feel like, is going to be pretty huge. Now, I'll grant, you don't have Trevor Lawrence at quarterback, um, but the Cowboys have issues in the secondary. Do you feel like it would do them well to be aware of that? Sure, you got Derrick Henry. There's a reason why they call this guy king. I get it. Um, kind of a big deal. MVP candidate, to say the least. But with all that in mind, like when you attack the Cowboys, you would. it's funny, you would probably use a similar method um, to the Jaguars, even though you don't exactly have matching personnel. Right. Um. I would say yes, and also there's a wild card out there right now. Uh, Sammy Watkins was just released from Green Bay, so mm-hmm. there's a possibility that you can get him in, and he's a veteran. He's been around the league a couple of times with a couple of different teams, the Bills, the Rams, uh, Green Bay. Uh, I know I'm missing somebody, Baltimore. Uh, so he's been around the league, so he's been in a couple of different systems, and he's one of those guys that you can come in and kind of plug in someplace if you if he was to be signed. By the yeah. Titans, the big you know operative word there is if. Uh, but with Traylon Burks, nine times out of ten, he's going to draw the assignment of uh, Tray- uh, Trayvon Diggs. Probably nine times, number seven is going to be on him. And right. the issue with having number seven on you is he can either gamble and miss, or he can gamble and it pays off. Last couple of weeks, he's gambled and missed. Um, but we all know these are professional NFL players, so gambling and missing doesn't last forever. Um, and Traylon Burks is a rookie, but he's a rookie with a lot of good skills. So, um, I, I think you could employ that same logic. The only issue is Ryan Tannehill's health. Um, he just went down last week with the ankle injury. The ankles are not looking good. It's been that way since about week four. Uh, Dennis Daly has to go up against Demarcus Lawrence and Trevor and um, Parsons, Michael Parsons. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so it's one of those situations where can Ryan Tannehill stay upright? Can he drive off and plant off that back foot and get the ball downfield with enough velocity and power and touch to get it to Traylon Burks, even if he is open? And also, does Trayvon Diggs, um, you know, does his gambling ways, um, you know, does he shoot craps or does he win at the table? So it's one of those situations. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's it's it. This isn't the circumstances to do it. It's unfortunate, but I mean, with you on here, I have to bring up Music City Malik, don't I? I mean, sure, and and that's the and that's one of the issues, right? Like that's one of the issues. Like Malik had showed flashes against Kansas City when he came in for the drive that he came in. Uh, he showed flashes. We were driving, like the Titans were driving, um, 
to me, what what I don't like is that Todd Downing does this weird thing where he he throws out two or three plays where he allows Malik Willis to be a quarterback. Like he allows him to be a quarterback, and then he like he it's like Malik does one thing where he like misses a play or the ball doesn't bounce the way that you would you would like it to, or it's not the Ryan Tannehill play, quote unquote, and then he goes right back to you're a rookie, we're going to put the reins on you. And then we're three and out, negative play, you know, you know, negative play, negative play, and now we're punting. <coughs> so it's just one of those situations where if Malik Willis does have to play, let's just say, you know, Trevor Lawrence, uh, not Trevor Lawrence, Demarcus Lawrence, or Chandler Parsons, not Chandler Parsons, Jesus Christ, that guy plays in the NBA, uh, <laughs> Michael Parsons, <laughs> Uh, or Michael Parsons does land a, you know, get a bead on Ryan Tannehill and he's out with, you know, the aggravated ankle or he has to play, you know, sit out for a half or something. And Malik does have to come in. I don't want them to change the game plan. Let him grow. Like, let him get in there. Don't do, and now this is not a jab, but it's a jab. Don't do what the 49ers did. Like, don't, 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 because he's athletic and has, you know, a bulkier body type, don't go out there and run him you know, like a running back, you know, and, and get them hurt. Like, let them right. be a quarterback. And, you know, I, I'd rather see that and then say, okay, he he either has the goods or he doesn't, mm-hmm. than him be hurt. And then you're looking at, do we go into the draft and have to draft another guy because this guy hasn't grown the way that we thought he should? Well, sure, especially when you're a scenario where conservative quarterback play only makes it easier to contain the quarterback in question when you have the ultimate play action threat in the NFL. Right. You know, let the guy, you know, reel the ball off. I, I, I don't, you know, I my mean, gosh, I'm complaining like a Titans fan. What's wrong with me? I mean, but you drafted and think the issue that I have with <laughs> with certain teams and including Titans is you draft a guy who's a quarterback for three reasons: his intangibles his physical gifts, and his potential. I love how you put intangibles first, by the way. That's right. that's the way it should be. Right. And Malik Willis has great intangibles. Everyone that you've talked to, you know, that, that talked about him, coached him or whatever, has said the kid is a photographic memory. Doesn't make the same mistake twice, uh, which is great. You want that. You you mm-hmm. want that. You don't want a guy who throws an interception uh, on, a, on a five-yard dig to keep throwing interceptions on five-yard digs. You, you just don't want that. Um, you know, so he does that. He has the physical gifts, strong arm, legs for days. I mean, if you see the guy, yeah, you know, <clears throat> his calf muscles, I mean, he could probably kick tree stumps, um, you know, I mean, or you know, whatever. Like, he could probably I've seen him be an Olympic caliber athlete in the yeah. cure bowl and, and do amazing things with liberty. So, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, right. tell me on that part. Oh, yeah. So he can do that. But then it's also his potential. And that's where a lot of guys who play quarterback in the NFL and get drafted falter. The potential gets stunted because they're behind it in Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. <coughs> Sorry. Um, but they're behind one of those guys or they're under offensive coordinator who doesn't allow them to grow and find that potential. Right. And I think that's what's going to happen to Malik Willis, sadly enough. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you on that. I mean, this isn't like a Tim Tebow type. This is definitely a dude who can throw the football. And honestly, the performance he had when he first came in, I want to say it was the Chiefs, but um, I was thoroughly impressed. I know he didn't have a great, great game, but what the Titans were, were reminiscent in my mind of some of the Carolina Panther 
teams with a younger uh, Cam Newton, right? And they were relying a lot on the run game because back in that day, they had running backs for days, you know? So <laughs> with all that in mind, yeah, I, I, I see where you're coming from there uh, for sure. And, and let me jump to the defense real quick because I want to ask this one question. Um, the Jaguars in that game, round one, with the Titans there, I can't help but notice the irony that 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 Doug Peterson does another pencil whip, which is basically the only way that the Jags have won games is coaching pencil whips, and then you know he makes it easy for Trevor to do what Trevor's supposed to do. But the linebackers seem to be the weak point in a team coached by a linebacker. Like, am, am I saying that right, or is that unfair? Like, what happened? Well, and you know what though. <coughs> A lot. This happens a lot in the NFL. I don't think people really talk about it enough. The oxymoron of the guy, like the coach's specialty, is normally always the weakness of the team. Like it's weird. Like Mike Vrabel, when he first got to Tennessee, our offense, like we were like our defense needs to catch up. Like our our defense needs to really catch up to the offense. This year was like this year and last year were the first years where we were like the offense is ahead or is behind the defense the, the like the last two years only the last two years um even with losing aj brown by the way that's interesting. right right and so it's like it's weird how this happens like it's like you get an offensive mind to coach and your offense goes you know what i'm saying like <laughs> yeah and the defense goes like sky high but then you know you, you get a defensive coach and your offense goes like boom. And I think it, I think what ends up happening is they overcompensate for what they're not good at. So they like they put all the time into like, hey, I'm not good at that side of the ball. So go get this. But Bill, I think people need to start taking the Bill Belichick approach, which Mike Vrabel has. And it's I'm really good at this, and I'm gonna let those guys worry about that over there. Like, but I'm still going to have my hands in it, tinkering with it, playing with it just enough to, like, have my staple or my name on it. But I'm not going to step on the toes of the guy who knows what he's doing over there. I'm a defensive-minded coach. Right. And I-, I like that, too. And let me add this. I feel like a head coach that has something as a specialty wants to keep doing it. You see it in college all the time, too. And and it's the uh, it's the whole – I guess who's the best example I want to use? I mean, we'll stick with Belichick, right? We know he's got a good defense. Young quarterback should be afraid to play him, but we've seen how his draft picks have gone lately. You know, that kind of thing. You know, uh, uh, the the guy who comes in supposed to be this kind of an expert, a quarterback whisperer or a defensive genius, and it's the other side. I think it's because he's spread too thin by the head coaching aspect, the CEO aspect, to focus on it too. I think that's a piece that that gets talked about more than your concept, but is still a factor too, right? It if, is, if, it, if the more you do, the less you do good, so to speak, right? Right. And it's it's crazy because you would think I'm gonna bring in the guy who thinks like me, right? And I think that's another thing too, is like head coaches want to put their identity on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're gonna go get the offensive coordinator who runs the offense that you want. You're going to go get the defensive coordinator who runs the defense that you want. <coughs> Excuse me. You're going to hope that you have a GM who takes your input and says, like, these are the players that I want, the type of players that I want. So 
in in you know in that happening, like I said, like it's it's kind of funny how it, each of the two teams that Doug Peterson has coached, um, you know, have had stellar offenses. Mm-hmm. They also have had really stout defenses. And so Doug Peterson probably has figured it out somehow, some way. But until, like, you know, we see this for <clears throat> multiple years, what do we know? This could just be one of those magical seasons um, that falls by the wayside like we've seen happen many, many years before. It could just be a magical season where Urban Meyer's not there anymore. How about that? <laughs> you know what? That might be it. No, man, and 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 I'll I'll ask for it this way. I I think the Jags are going to struggle. We'll get into that before we do the pick, or more when we do the picks. But let's assume the Jags get through Thursday. Um, do you see week week eighteen being the collision to decide the AFC South? And do you think the Titans would be recovered enough to to win it? You know what? I had this conversation earlier and last night with a couple of people, and I said this. And this is as a Titans fan. I'm just going to take the journalist hat off here for a second. But I, would, I don't take it off. <laughs> I would rather, I would rather see the Titans go ahead and just say, you know what, guys, we're going to drop these next three games, finish the season seven and ten, go into the draft with a better draft pick. You know, somewhere between twelve and and thirteen. You know, twelve, twelve and fifteen. And see where we where our our value lies there, rather than hey let's go out, let's let's put everything into the next three games, let's go two and one in the next three, win a division, and then get dusted in the first round by a Cincinnati or a Kansas City or you know you know like I would, yeah Buffalo whomever that might be right, like I would rather see us just go ahead and say you know what we have GM change front office you know some front office shuffling middle of the season. The team is not as not where we want it to be. This wasn't the season that we wanted. Let's recalibrate and go come in next year, you know, ready to go. Like I'd rather see that happen than us <clears throat> have to fight against a Jacksonville Jaguars team that's young. They're smelling they smell blood and water. Mm. Like I'd rather I'd rather not fight them for a division um that it's not going to do anything but help Mike Vrabel's, you know, resume. Like, you know, every coach has one year that they're like, mm, well, that year just wasn't our year. Mike Tomlin's having that kind of year. Yeah. You know, so I tried like, to tell him to start Kenny Pickett, though, Cortland. That's not the same thing. <laughs> oh, man, listen. And with all that aside, like, we have, the, we have the conversation about Music City Malik. I'm with you on him, too. Malik Willis was the number one draft pick for any team, not the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I'm with you on that. Um, the only – I hear you bringing out a good fanhood take or get the higher pick and, and – and, and, on the surface, not bad, but goodness gracious, man, Father Time's coming up on Derrick Henry, man. I don't know how much longer he's going to be in the building. Should they, if what you're talking about is is a retool, should he be on the block? Uh, fandom says no, uh, but. But you know why I'm saying it. Yeah, the analyst, the analyst in me says yes, um, right, because yeah. you have to make changes and. Smash Mouth, the Smash Mouth style of football, the Tennessee Titans style of football. Uh, I can easily be the get off my lawn kind of guy. Shout out to Raphael Haynes. 
Uh, I can, <laughs> when he hears that, I'm pretty sure he'll say, stop it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I can easily be get off the you know get off my lawn kind of guy and just say like, hey, this has been the Titans since we've been here in Nashville. Eddie George, Travis Henry, Chris Johnson, Lindell White, Demarco Murray. The, you know the list goes on and on and on uh, of of famed running backs even before Nashville. Earl Campbell, those guys. Sure, it, sure. You know the list goes on and on. And he I would love, right. I would love to see us continue the smash mouth style of football. But then you look at the league and you see guys like Dalvin cook, you see guys like Joe Mixon, you see these guys like Saquon Barkley and, and others. And you're like, man, not only can they do what Derrick Henry does as far as, you know, 150 yards plus production, right. Production. I said, but they can give you they can give you a hundred yards receiving as well. You know, they can give you a thousand, a thousand. And Derrick Henry has yet to do that in his career. And, and though I love Derrick, I think he's a hall. I'm sure he's a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion. He's certainly Hall of Fame worthy. We can get an argument about first. Right. Ballot. I don't have it in front of me, but I, I can't rule out that I'd come to that conclusion. But yeah, he's definitely he's like one of. I think he's like the quickest to like seven thousand and seventy touchdowns. Like of one of seven guys like in NFL history to have like that kind of number combination. In an but, era where they don't do that anymore, <laughs> by the way. Like that that has to be sold as well. That this is up there with people who wanted to try to say that, you know, uh that um I'm trying to remember. Um well let's put it this way. The biggest selling point for any quarterback who throws for five thousand yards before the year two thousand is that they did it before it was cool. Uh, Derrick Henry does that for running backs. They did it after it was out of style, right? So, right. so you got you to preach. Right. So there's that. But th I look at it and I'm like, how, how can we take this Tennessee Titans team into the proverbial 21st century? And with that, you, you got to go get a, a, a five tool, you know, using some baseball terms here from a baseball guy. You got to go, go get you a five tool guy. You got to go get you a guy who can pass block who can pass, you know, also receive, who can run block, who can also run the ball, and, you know, make your offense less predictable. Yes. And you also got to have two guys on the outside that can flat out fly. And right now, like, if you want to see what that looks like, go look at Cincinnati. Go look at um, – who else? Go look at the Rams last year. Go look at uh, – I'm missing a team. I, they were just on my – I would say Miami is certainly one. That's Miami, that's what I was thinking of. Jalen Waddle, uh, Tyreek Hill, and those and, and that team, how they're constructed and what they can do. And, and the thing about those teams is you can have a Patrick Mahomes, who's a one-in-a-million guy, or you can have a Tua Tagovailoa, who was questionable, but with the right weapons around him, he looks like an MVP candidate. So um, right. and they also started with Miami finally solving their offensive line problems for the first time since Jonathan Martin. And then if you also want to see what that looks like in its in its purest form, look at Philadelphia right now. Jalen Hurts is a guy who can do everything. Miles Sanders was a guy who was much maligned, you know, with, with injuries. And, and we don't know if he can really do it coming out of Penn State. Like he was this highly touted guy. And, and now they have weapons around him and everything is coming together. So how can we bring the Titans into that? You gotta go and figure out who's that guy for you. Who's that that five tool running back? Who's that that run that, that can bring you into that? But also you gotta get the guy that can take the top off the defense um, as well. Get some speed 
on that offense. And we can't keep relying like the Titans have for the better part of 15 years on practice squad guys and guys we just really, really like because they fit the quote-unquote Titans culture. Like, yeah. we just can't. We can't. It may be changing the Titans culture is how you keep guys out of the training room, right? You you want to talk about why do we have so many injuries compared to the rest of the league? It's your style of play, right? Yes, that's why football doesn't always mean healthy guys either. So yeah, and nor should it, frankly, in a world you know. And and as a guy who is a proponent for Thursday night games, they sure as hell don't help you over a Smash Mouth team for it by any stretch of the dang imagination, man. Um, no, okay. Well, I, I'll put it this way. You're you're looking for a reboot, which I shouldn't say reboot, a retool, which right. kind of explains your answer. I love how much you're willing to support me having a trip to uh, Duval to cover a playoff game in person. Thank you, sir. Um, anyways, with that bit if, of- if I want to lose the division to anybody, I'd rather it be the Jaguars than the Houston Texans or the Colts. I'd rather it be the Jaguars. I mean, <laughs> sure, you know, and and. <laughs> I would rather be stuck eating grapefruit than nails or gravel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I, at least I know that the Jaguars won't stick around for long. Like, I know, like, if the uh, Indianapolis like if the Indianapolis Colts win the division, I have to hear about this, like, when I'm 40. Like, hey, you guys remember when we won the division back in 2022? And I'm like, guys, it's how long ago was that? Like, you know, so it's, it's one of those situations. And, like, if it's the Houston Texans, it's just like, we won the division in 2022. When is the last? Like that's the last time you guys did it. So, like, it's interesting. The 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 the, the it's not a surprise that the guy has beef with the team that was had his quarterback be a co MVP with theirs. That's right. Oh, I, that's a Steve McNair Peyton Manning drop. We do history on this show sometimes. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> this, that oh, that's that is that like Peyton Manning fans and Steve McNair fans. Just those like. That small subgroup of fans alone, like that, that burns in their that's burned in their soul yeah. forever. What, what about the sub, what about the subgroup of fans that's that's well aware that that your squad told stole the playbook and that's the only reason why they were fourteen and three? What about those fans? You, you oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> we it don't know so that is a legend. We do not know that to be true. <laughs> All right, man. Listen, you set it up. I had to say something. No one has produced a playbook yet. <laughs> hey, it, it, it's there with Jimmy Hoffa's body. Anyway, <laughs> that's a, supposedly that's under the old Yankee Stadium, so that's gone now. Allegedly, see, sports are still involved. We kept it relevant. Let's get these picks, Cortland. All right, got the music going. We can rock and roll, man. Listen, I, I got to tell you this. Um, well, you know what? I'll say it. Actually, we get the game announced here. First of all, Thursday night. Merry Christmas in advance, my friend. A lot of action over the holiday. Um, hopefully, you will be free from your quarantine state. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, prayers for you to that. But enough of that. Pick some dang games. Here we go. Jacksonville heads over to East Rutherford to battle the Jets. Cortland, who you got? Um, as much as I want to pick the Jaguars, um, I think the Jets. I think the Jets win this one. I I feel like that defense and Robert Sala and what they have built in East Rutherford, uh, it's just going to be a little much for Jack for the Jaguars. But I'm not going to count them out. But I'm going to pick the Jets for that one. I'll see that and raise you this, Cortland Griffin. Cam Robinson left tackle for the Jaguars out for the year. Jawan Taylor nicked up with a hamstring injury. 
Walker Little coming in. Did a good job against Micah Parsons, but one uh, individual does not a team make, and it, they have a team on defense. The only hope if you're a Jaguars fan, Zach Wilson's still starting. I tried to tell you, Jets, that he was awful, and you still picked him. I told you he won the Boca Bowl, babe, because of how many starters UCF was missing, but you didn't want to hear it. I kind of was I, – I, I drunk the Zach Wilson Kool-Aid that year too, so. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing your confession on this show. I, the, the first problem is admitting you had a problem – or the first step is admitting <laughs> Anyways – Speaking of uh, teams admitting they had a problem, at least the Bears eventually drafted Justin Fields. They host Buffalo. Uh, who you got, Cortland? Uh, I still think I think Buffalo is going to win that game. It's not even a thing. Buffalo is definitely going to go in there and win that game. Those are two cold weather teams, and I think Justin Fields is still out. I believe. So yeah, like that's yeah. It's sad but true, but the, the Buffalo Bears are going to win that game. No, I'm with you on that, too. Uh, and no offense to our good friend, controversy, Raphael Haynes. But, uh, yeah, I think the Bears are going to draft that one, too. And all in Saints head to Cleveland to battle the Browns. Cortland. Oh, it's a mid-off. But uh, <laughs> I think the Cleveland Browns are going to pull it out. Uh, I think the Saints have pretty much sold the rest of the season off as a as a loss um, that they're going to recoup in the offseason with draft picks. So, um I think Cleveland's going to win this one. Yeah, I'm with you on that, too. The Browns will carry it. They control it on the ground. And, I mean, listen, say what you will about the Red Rifle. This is an instance where, based on his play so far, I could still call Deshaun Watson the better quarterback. That hasn't happened yet lately, but maybe right. this game. I don't know. The Texans head to Tennessee to battle your Titans. Cortland, who you got? Uh, I, still, I think we win that game. Um, even though I said we, we should drop the next three, uh, this is not a game that I think we should we should go out there and lose. I don't think you also we can look past them. They just took Kansas City to the brink, and it, that's a that's a rough go uh, if you're the Titans right now. With like you said, looking down the the barrel at uh, injuries and trying to get guys back, but I still think we're more talented, we're better coached. Um, and I think we can go out there and win this one. Yeah, I'm still a little better at the Texans coming in. Their only win being the one where I was on on the field at halftime honoring Tony Pacelli and him getting his Hall of Fame ring. You guys got to be kidding me. No, uh, and I'm not even a Jags fan per se. That's just awful. Totally <laughs> super cool, by the way. Anyways, um, yeah, I got the Titans as well. I mean, any semblance of an offense like – I feel like even Davis Mills would give them a better shot because the defense is underrated. An example of the coach, by the way, handling his side of the ball. How about that? Uh, yeah. Smith. But, yeah, I, I got the Titans, too. Um, we'll leave it at that. Geno Smith, one-time surefire comeback player of the year candidate. He's headed to Kansas City to Patrick, battle Patrick LeVon Mahomes II and the Chiefs. Who you got? Um, This is funny. Um, I got Kansas City. Um, and this also helps out one one version of number 12, uh, Aaron Rodgers, because the Green Bay Packers need the, the Seahawks to lose at least one time, and this would be that at least one time. So, uh, yeah, I got Kansas City. If Rodgers sneaks into the damn playoffs, people are going to lose their mind. Um, yeah, I, too, have the Chiefs handling business at Arrowhead. As much as I appreciate Geno Smith, I still get driven nuts by Pete Carroll. I hate the fact that it looks like he's he's winning the divorce right now, but don't forget he actually finally got some good offensive linemen in after Russell Wilson left. Right, and um, just the pure di disrespect of of the craft to do that to a quarterback. I am an offensive lineman. I am not your pawn, Pete Carroll. <laughs> uh, 
with that in mind, the Giants head over to Minnesota to battle the Vikings. Cortland, who you got? Um, I think this is one of those games where momentum carries over. Ooh, Minnesota yeah. wins this game. Um, it's it's one of those. It's going to be a banger. I don't think it's going to be a wash by any means, but I do think the Giants. Um, I do think the Giants get you know kind of pushed over just a little bit by the better team. Minnesota wins this one. You know, it's not that I think that's a bad pick. I just don't agree in this instance for one reason alone, and his name's Kirk Cousins. Listen, I know it's a game that's before 8 o'clock. Cool. <laughs> but um, for my money, it is going to be a high-stress situation. I feel like the Giants can control that game up front. They'll use the student of the game midseason MVP Saquon Barkley to do just that. By the way, I don't know if you saw Danny Dimes put up over 100 yards rushing in TIA Bank Stadium. I saw that in person. That's the that was crazy. Yeah. Him doing that sort of thing again against the Vikings defense, can you rule that out? I can't. Listen, I know they got Justin Jefferson, who should be an MVP candidate in his own right because Kirk Cousins is his quarterback. But with limited, comparatively, snaps, if the Giants do what they're supposed to do, I think Kirk Cousins doesn't do quite enough. I have the Giants in this one. Hey, stranger things have happened. I could be wrong. Uh, at any rate, the Bengals head to Foxborough to battle the New England Patriots. Who you got, Cortland? The Bengals are red hot right now. I don't think you can even bet against them right now. And Joe Cool has lived up to that moniker ever since the Tennessee game. I mean, he's they've, they've rattled them off. I mean, multiple wins, win after win after win. Uh, games where they shouldn't have won. Definitely last week where they were down 17-0, they come back and score 20 unanswered. So um, I got the Bengals in this one. I think you're a little mixed up. See, the AFC uh, team that Joe Cool played for was the Chiefs. Don't you do that in this time. <laughs> that man is Joey Burr. And Joey <laughs> Burr is amazing in his own right. Let me be clear. I want him. Not only do I want to respect Joe Montana, Cortland, but Joey Joe Burrow deserves his own respect. Not he only, does. Yeah. Not only as a human being. I met him in person at the Fiesta Bowl. By the way, same cool guy then as he is now. Let's be clear about that. He might be Montana's illegitimate son. I mean, well, Montana was never that handsome. Anyway, <laughs> with that in mind, Joey Burr has been handling business. I love the part we was doing it for a while without Jamar Chase. I don't think I had a chance to talk about that enough on this pod, in my opinion. But nonetheless, I got Joey Burr handling business against Belichick. This is no rookie. This is a real uh, 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 quarterback there. And, um, yeah, you mentioned they're red hot. What more can I say to that? Speaking of things that's red hot, it's opposite day with this game. The Cats battle each other in the Lions and the – or excuse, yeah, the Lions and the Panthers. Seems like something out of the Wizard of Oz with all these animals. Oh, we already did the Bears. Sorry. Anyways, Cortland. Uh, man, this is another one of those, like, lesser two evils, but – I got to go with the Lions here. I think the Lions are a really good team that are really putting – they're starting to put it together as young as they are. Dan Campbell, a guy who has some questions surrounding them, being a head coach, I think he's actually starting to put his imprint on this team. It's kind of weird. Like, he was the weird, cynical guy at the beginning of the year, and now he's the guy who everyone's like he, – he actually has his team playing good football, so I think the Lions win this one. See, I, cynical's a little strong. Real? I mean, that dude's real right in your face. Listen. <laughs> Let me break it down for you, Cortland. I did this earlier on the Huddle Up podcast. Bing! You got you got the Panthers, right? Mm-hmm. Who's their coach? I don't even remember anymore. It's not Matt Rule. I know that. Who's their quarterback? Sam Darnold. Okay. Who's the Lions quarterback? Jared Goff. Now, I scoff at Goff, but he's six games in a row without a turnover. And who's their coach? 
It's Man Campbell. I better pick the Lions or he's going to personally bite my kneecaps off. What are you, crazy? And Dan Campbell is a mountain of a man at like six seven. Like he's huge. He's a huge guy. And and, and he's not like like you've seen six seven NBA players that are wiry. Oh no, that no. is a beefy man. That's a that's a, he's a man's man for sure. That's, I have no trouble. I am secure in saying it. <laughs> he's he's so secure. I'm secure calling him that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, speaking of things that aren't secure, here's a couple teams that'll match that for you. How about the Atlanta Fraud Cons battling the Baltimore Ravens? Shouts to not going to have Danny Thompson sending me death threats. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, again, this is another one. I don't know. Like, this is weird. They play who? The Broncos? Uh, it's the, the Ravens. The Ravens? Oh, the Ravens are going to win that game. It's uh, I think Huntley, <laughs> Huntley is good uh, enough to win games. Um. J.K. Dobbins, he had 120 yards. I think he had like a, a, a rash of games where he had 120 yards plus. And then last week, they kind of went away from the run game. I think they hopped right back into that, and they exposed a, a very uh, lackluster, for lack of better terms, Falcons defense. I see you're, you're using the politically correct term. <laughs> yeah, listen, if you if, if you didn't believe in Marcus Mary Nota – I'm not going to believe in Desmond Ritter. And listen, I watched him play a number of times in college. I thought he was a great athlete, but not particularly a good quarterback. And then someone drafted him. Oh, it was Atlanta, of course. Um, Assuming that Huntley is back to full health, the clear pick is the Ravens. I only question it because Lamar Demetrius Jackson is still out this week. I think the following week he comes back. That being said, it's the fraud cons. I've learned not to believe their lies. I, too, have the Ravens. The Red Tails, sorry, Commanders, battled the San Francisco. It should have been the Red Tails, Cortland. You know it I'm should right. have been. It should have. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> the San Francisco 49ers host the uh, Washington, the team in Washington. Yeah. <laughs> Who you got, buddy? Oh, man. Uh, You know what? They play who again? The Niners and the, and the uh, Red Tails. Sorry. Come on. That's a question. Uh, it's the other team, uh, the team out from out west, uh, <laughs> the 49ers, man. Uh, they, they, you guys, I think the 49ers are like first in every major defensive category. Including meanness. Yeah, like in the NFL right now, um, we all know that Washington is pretty much mid on offense. Uh, Taylor Heineke is the quarterback. Uh, Sam Howell is a uh, is a rookie that hasn't played any this year, and he was overrated in college. I said it. <laughs> oh, don't talk about my quarterback. Anyway, <laughs> 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 um, North Carolina Tar Heels man, don't talk about my quarterback. But uh, uh, but I mean, to say the least, I mean Carson Wentz is your Carson Wentz is your next, you know, best option on that team, and neither one of those three give you a chance to win this game. Uh, it's the 49ers by, by a long time. Listen, um, it may not be Purdy, but I have the Niners winning, and just like that that joke, the, the uh, Washington fans will need a Heineken, Heineken, whatever. <laughs> so it would have worked better if he had the end. I'm just saying. I don't understand why Heineken has, hasn't, like, reached out to him and give him a, like an endorsement. It's crazy. I mean, you know – He's not wrong, folks. Uh, there's probably some NFL contract or something. They have an official beer already or something. It's probably something crazy. I don't know. It's 
I'm sure he has a local endorsement of some. Maybe he's on a Heineken sign in some DC bar, and we just don't know it because we haven't been there yet in person. Let's 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 think of let's think optimistically, right? <laughs> uh, with that in mind, <laughs> the Eagles in a game which officially doesn't matter thanks to this past Sunday's game in CIA Bank Field, they'll head to Dallas to Jerry World to battle the Cowboys. Is talk that Madman Gardner Minshew, aka Uncle Rico, could be starting this game because Jalen hurts right now? What do you think, there, Cortland? I think I think Dallas wins this game, and it's only on the strength of Jalen hurts is not playing. Um, this is one of those weird situations because it's it, it's a it's a lose lose situation for both sides. Dallas can't say like we you know Philly fans can say well, we beat you guys once last year. Because their starter, their starting quarterback wasn't playing. Like Dak was hurt, and Dallas can't say when they win this game that oh we beat you guys because Taylor Hurts isn't playing. So uh, to beat the best, you got to beat. You, to be the best, you have to beat the best at their best, and Philly won't beat. So yeah, people tend to forget that third part, kind of like Notre Dame fans forget they beat Clemson only because Trevor Lawrence was out. And I'm not even a Clemson guy. I hate the ACC. No offense. But at the end of the day, I'm an SEC man. It's what I do. But with all that in mind, my friend, the Dallas Cowboys winning isn't a bad take here. I think I'm going to lean towards. I don't. You know what? I'm going to pick the Eagles because if I'm Nick Sirianni, I want to do what I can to make sure there's not a scenario where they could have. I'm not sure they can miss the playoffs outright. That's not possible. But if there's a situation where I could get them to be a lower seed and and maybe I have to play them again so I can do what you're talking about or even do what I can to knock them out of my way to make life more difficult for them, I'm going to do it. And, and I think, I think the right. only thing keeping them from like even being like the number two seed is the fact that the Vikings exist. So like, yeah, well. Yeah. I, that's an interesting point. I uh, well, and, and, and what keeps them out of being the two seed is obviously their the, the division. Yeah, the same division. But, yeah. Right, but um, yeah, I I hear where you're going with that. I'm with that. Um, with that in mind, the Las Vegas Raiders head to Pittsburgh. Who you got on this one? Man? Uh, it's another mid off. It's a lot of mid offs this week. Um, but I got Pittsburgh <laughs> here. Um, uh, I got Pittsburgh for personal reasons, but also. Uh, because I just think I think Pittsburgh is a, a little bit better, and that's not saying much. Both of these teams have had a rough go this year. The Raiders looked like they were figuring it out. Um, they won in like the most, and what is possibly like since the butt fumble, the worst, and Leon let the worst play uh, in NFL history. And I don't think they get that kind of luxury against a well-coached, regardless of the talent level, well-coached Pittsburgh Steelers team. Listen, if you're going to ask me to disparage Tom, uh, Mike Tomlin because I disagreed with him one time, I ain't going to come down on Omar Epps like that. He's going to win this football game. T.J. Watt, check. Um, Mika Fitzpatrick, check. Kenny Pickett, okay, they're not sure. But if he's in, it's a definite yes. And even still, you expect me to believe in, in Josh McDaniels? No. I'm not believing in a coach with McDaniel in his name unless you erase that S and make it the guy in Miami. I got <laughs> Pittsburgh. Um, speak of the guy in Miami, the Packers travel down south to Miami to battle the Dolphins. Who you got, Cortland? Uh, it's just when it seems like the Packers are figuring it out and they just need that kind of layup game to really gel it all together, they run into a monster. 
I, I think Miami wins this game. Uh, Aaron, it sucks that Aaron Rodgers is probably going to find himself on the trade block next year uh, mm-hmm. or force his way out, and this is the way that it has to happen. But, you know, Mike Mendaniel walking around in his uh, weird jogger shorts and, uh, you know, his boat shoes bopping uh, around down there in South Beach. Uh, you know, they're going to win this game. <laughs> they all wearing Florida, dude. Don't put that on my <laughs> I can tell you He's all. made for Miami. <laughs> He's made for the state of Florida in general. He kind of talks like Florida man, air quotes. I'm not going to front on that. Maybe a little less of a draw, but it's not North Florida. Anyway, with all that in mind, listen, Merry Christmas, Aaron Charlotte Rodgers. You're going to get what you're going to get this year is your coach, LaFleur, being exposed like a like Janet Jackson in a halftime show. Oh, wait, you've been getting that all year. At the end of the day, my guy, I have the Dolphins handling business less because of Aaron Rodgers and whatever isn't happening on the offense, but that defense can't stop this. Tyreek Hill is an MVP candidate. I said it. And when they, he does what he does, he draws the rest of the guys in. Mostert got a big game last week because people worried about Tyreek. Waddle is a great number two option. He gets big numbers because they're worried about Tyreek. One moment, you were worried about Patrick LeVon Mahomes the second because he didn't have Tyreek. I got the Dolphins, and I'm still on board with Hill as a candidate. I'm um, with all that in mind, ugh, I believe mid-off is the term you've been using, sir. The Denver Broncos head to the hapless Los Angeles Rams. What say you, sir? Two teams that are pretty much out of the playoff picture. Uh, I think the Rams are actually eliminated at this point. Um, I'm just going to – just because the Rams are out of it, I think they just kind of lay down for the rest of the year. Uh, Mr. Unlimited kind of gets him one. I think uh, Russell Russell Carrington Wilson gets him one. This, uh, this oh, one. points for Cortland Griffin coming to the show prepared. My man. Um, listen, I, I'm, in, I'm inclined to pick Rusty, too, if he's playing. And I'm not picking Baker Mayfield either. I know better. Yeah, I got the Broncos as well, oddly enough, which feels weird picking in favor of Nathaniel Hackett over Sean McDermott or Sean McDermott, Sean McVay. um, Yeah, actually, either of those coaches beneath Nathaniel Hackett in it. Anyways, uh, the Buccaneers travel to to face the Arizona Cardinals. Trace McSorley? Yeah, Chase McSorley. Sorely? Yeah, that guy, the Penn State guy, whatever. I I forgot his name because it wasn't supposed to be relevant ever again. You know this. But nonetheless, probably playing to host Tom Brady and company. Cortland, who you got? Um, I got Tom Brady and company. Um, I think that left a sour taste. That loss to, to Cincinnati left a sour taste in their mouth. Mm. Um, and if anyone knows anything about football, Thomas Edward Brady, uh, Pat, I'm sorry, Edward Patrick Brady. Good man. Um, he doesn't take kindly to uh, being talked about in the media as a fledgling older guy, and he also doesn't like to lose. So um, I think they definitely go out there and they, they punch Arizona in the mouth. And also, um, Chase McSorley got traded for a reason, uh, and he's no Kyler Murray. I, I don't think this Arizona offense works as well uh, as it does with Kyler Murray without him. So. Yeah, this is a scenario. I think the only thing that might save uh, Kingsbury's job is the fact that he has so many injuries, and I still don't think it does in the offseason. Yeah, uh, I got Thomas Edward, Patrick Bieber, Brady uh, as well. That's from his long hair days, dude. I got (laughs) 
But um, yeah, no, that th- this one's pretty easy for me, and still somehow managed to stave off the rest of the NFC South with this sorry record as they got. Um, speaking of sorry records, uh, the Chargers head over to Indianapolis and Lucas Oil Stadium to battle Matt Ryan, Jeff Saturday, and the Colts. Cortland, who you got? Um, if if the Colts can bottle the first half of last week's game, <laughs> um, they could win this game, but um. I don't know. It's just something about the Chargers, even though they just beat my Titans. Um, they scrap and they fight and they they find ways to win games. Um, Justin Herbert is still a very, very good young quarterback uh, who can do a lot. He made some play, some throws this past Sunday that were like, where did you pull that one out of? Um, he made one on the run that was, I mean, to Mike Williams at the end of the game that was simply phenomenal. Like, on the run, on a rope, like, you couldn't put in – you couldn't have thrown in any better. Um, I got the Chargers in this game. Yeah, no, I can't front on that. I mean, the Chargers have gotten healthier and they've gotten more relevant. I picked this team to win the AFC West at the start of the season, but only by a single game. And despite the absolute mash unit that's been their roster, and one of those asterisk wins I'm telling you about with the Jags, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a scenario where they're still going to claw back in. I hope for my dude Booga Peter's sake that they stay relevant and make that list. But that's tough in the AFC West. Nonetheless, they get the win they need here to move towards making that particular piece happen. And that'll do it, Cortland, for this week's edition of the Picks. Honor, joy, and privilege to have you on, man. Thanks for coming aboard, talking some Titans with me. Uh, listen, to pull back behind the curtain, this is a guy I was talking about having a co-host here on this show for a while and you see, he's got the smooth to do what he needs to do, man. Listen, <laughs> thanks for coming aboard, and uh, let the people know where you can be found, my guy. Um, you guys can always find me on Three Point Conversion. Articles are always on there. We're putting them up pretty often. Uh, keep a lookout for, like you said, for the for the draft cover stuff, big boards, and um, you know, positional draft boards are coming up soon. Um, where else? You can find me on Twitter at DC Griffey. Uh, you can find me on YouTube uh, where I post all my halftime show stuff. So if you uh, can't catch the show, you can always watch them there. Uh, I got eight episodes up there right now. So you can always go check those out. Um, and also on Instagram at DC Griffey. Uh, so, yeah, catch me on all of those. And always, uh, you know, this probably won't be my last time on the student of the game because oh, Kyle's my guy. So anytime he calls, I'm definitely going to be here. Yeah, listen, and, and, and it's funny. As much as the Titans have let me down, Cortland hasn't one time. Well, maybe a couple takes. I don't know. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, listen, thanks for coming aboard. Uh, love what you're doing with the halftime show. A lot of fun all the way around there, too. I'm glad you came out to tell the world about it. And hey, listen, on the three-point conversion, this week's matchup mania has got that Christmas theme. It's going to be tight. Like, listen, I said something about you in the preseason kind of stealing my – Remember the North theme from Game of Thrones, <laughs> and I felt some kind of way about it. So I took it upon myself to take a card of yours. I'm not going to spoil it, but I took a card of yours going into this matchup mania this week. You're going to need to check that out, bro. I'm telling sure. you. I will do. <laughs> so that'll do it, guys. Thank you very much for coming aboard this nearly Christmas edition of the Student of the Game. Uh, happy holidays if you're celebrating Hanukkah. I believe you're still in session there too, so uh, enjoy that. And and uh, we'll see everybody next week. And, and and with that in mind, of course, I am Kyle Nash, the student of the game. You can find me on Twitter at the SOTG. Find me on Instagram as the same, the SOTG. 
Find me on Facebook as the student of the game. Check out my writings with the three-point conversion covering the Jacksonville Jaguars along with A7BN Sports. My work with the Captain and Company morning show on OldSchool101.com with my friend Captain Chris Hill. Of course, check out the black and gold banneret, the thing that has me in two places at once with this recording. Uh, I, uh, I cover men's and women's basketball as well as football, military ball next week. So, hey, another situation where I might be in two places at once through the magic of technology. That and combined with men's basketball next week, too. There's a lot of stuff going on in the UCF world, and it ain't just football. Um, yeah, by the time you see this, I would have been at the signing day. Uh, um, the signing day press conference with Gus Malzahn. So that's a whole other thing. A lot going on today. Big sports today. This close to Christmas. It doesn't make any sense to me either. But hey, outside of sports, check me out on Hilarity by Default, the Hilarity by Default YouTube channel there with the required viewing show. Not sure when it's going to get back off the ground there. I know Demos has some episodes yet to edit and get out the door. Those will be great when they get there. But like what? They have three to five years of content there already, dude. You'll be fine. Check it out, especially with the Christmas time coming. Find some Christmas episodes that we do. They're awesome. So, yes, with all that in mind, an honor, joy, and privilege, my friends. Thank you for coming aboard tonight's episode. Until next time, everyone, class dismissed. <laughs> <laughs>